O'Neill is the managing editor of the Daily Signal, and he joins us, as well as Victoria Churchill, conservative writer, commentator with Young Voices. We welcome you both. You know, Tyler, the New York appeals court reinstated the Trump gag order. Was it the right move? Not only do we have a situation where a president, a former president of the United States who is trying to defend himself in court is being gagged from speaking, but he's also a candidate, the leading candidate for president in the Republican primary field right now. And if some polls are to be believed, the leading candidate for the general election as well. Uh, so this is a situation where any American should be able to defend themselves in court and any American should be able to run for office and speak freely. Um, so the Circuit Court of Appeals ruling was unjustified and politically, it was a political decision? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I think it's both, both in terms of protecting yourself uh, when you face charges like this and President, you know, former President Trump is a political candidate right now for office. And so this, this ruling cannot be separated from the fact that he is a candidate on the biggest stage in our politics. You know, the blood from every terror attack that occurs against Jews going forward, many believe will be on the hands of the Biden administration as they continue to promote this two-state solution. You know, there are many who believe that Hamas seeks to absolutely annihilate Israel and they want a one-state solution, a solution which sees Israel burn into the ground and they don't feel you should negotiate with terrorists. Um, your thoughts on this two-state solution and the fact that uh, now that they're releasing hostages, uh, Israel has delayed its um, scorched earth attacks on Gaza. Yeah, well, what, what we're seeing here is a delay in the response to a horrific terrorist attack. Uh, and we have, to, we have to see it in those terms because what happened on October 7th was beyond the pale. I mean, this was the worst pogrom against the Jewish people since the Holocaust, and that's not an exaggeration. We had women raped. We had women and children taken hostage. We had Americans, an, a four-year-old American girl saw the her, the tragic deaths, you know, the slaughtering of her mother and father before her eyes. And then she was taken hostage and only later released. So like, it's great that she finally got released, but ultimately what happened here was a terrorist attack against Israel on a level we haven't seen, you know, a terrorist attack we haven't seen since 9-11, a terrorist attack this bad. But at the same time, you know, this, and Hamas leaders have been clear. They plan to carry out similar attacks in the future. They say they'll do it again. Well, how many, how many um, innocent Palestinians need to die with Israel's scorched earth approach before enough is enough, Tyler? I mean, ideally zero. I'm on the side of the IDF where they're warning all these people to get out. I want to see every single peaceful, uh, you know, truly civilian Palestinian safe. And I think the IDF is taking steps in that action. Unfortunately, what we've seen from Hamas is the constant desire to use these people as human shields. So 
yes, Israel's natural response to the October 7th pogrom has resulted in the deaths of Palestinian civilians. That's tragic. Guess who's morally responsible for that? The very people with Hamas who are killing people who are trying to flee, who are telling people to stay, who deliberately station their military, uh, their military placements by hospitals underneath civilian populations. Like this is, when we talk about who's responsible here, let's be absolutely clear. The IDF holds itself to standards that are, you know, frankly, the highest I think in history, where they'll warn ahead of attacks, where they'll try to get people out of there. And this is a war that's not always going to be possible. They still have to prevent another October 7th attack. That's what all of this is about. And so Israel has two very difficult things to balance here, and they do a frankly superb job in trying to protect these civilians who we all want to survive. But it's Hamas who keeps putting them in harm's way, and Israel has to respond to Hamas they're, they're, because they're of responding. what happened on October 7th. They're responding, Tyler. We, we get that. There's no question. You know, Victoria um, Churchill is joining our conversation now. Um, the Koch brothers have endorsed Nikki Haley. The financial establishment is endorsing Nikki Haley from Jamin Diamond from J.P. Morgan. It seems as though that Nikki Haley's um, great debating skills is finally paying great dividends for her. Is she the candidate that can topple Donald Trump? Well, I believe Team Haley definitely believes so, but they have a lot of work to do to convince the American people that she is the choice. Uh, now, dollars obviously help in that sense, so the fact that she is getting a financial backing, I would not be surprised to see a boost to her campaign from that. Uh, but I think a lot of people are a little bit skeptical of her record. Um, you know, I think it is a great one. It is a respectable, a respectable one. But again, you know, even as we've seen in attacks from the primary, I think she needs to get a little bit better at answering the attacks that are launched her way to really prove that she can go up against Joe Biden in the general election. Um, now, you know, polling has shown that she actually would beat Biden numbers higher than former President Trump, who is currently leading the Republican field, would do. So that also does play in her favor. But again, I still think her team has a lot of work to do. They're going to be looking at early states. You know, we are under two months away from the Iowa caucus um, in the middle of January. Then it'll be the New Hampshire first in the nation primary and then Super Tuesday, the beginning of March. So we definitely have a lot to look forward to. And uh, I'd also be interested to see if anybody else drops out between now and some of those contests, if they would throw her weight, throw their weight behind uh, former Ambassador Haley and now, you know, candidate. You know, speaking of uh, jugging out Donald Trump, the internet exploded this week with the possibility that he could possibly name um, former HUD secretary and presidential candidate Ben Carson as his running mate. Your thoughts? I would love to see that. You know, I think Ben Carson's got an, a great track record of both public service and private sector service. Um, you know, I think he's not as polarizing as a lot of people uh, that we see on stage on TV today in the Republican primary. And so I think um, he would definitely be a boost to the Trump campaign. And I also think that he would help with uh, evangelical voters that were kind of the reason that Trump tapped Mike Pence last time out. Uh, and uh, I think Carson would definitely help in a lot of those communities. Um, 
So, you know, I think that would be well, a, a well, great we, bet. I, I think many Americans absolutely can see that it would be a brilliant move on the part of the former president. But at what cost to Dr. Ben Carson if he were to accept it? Well, I think that, you know, it's a question that he's going to have to ask himself, maybe some top advisors that he but has. But I'm, ask, I'm asking you. <laughs> Well, I think that it would probably be a win for him if he was able to ascend to the office of the vice presidency. I think he could do a great job in that role. And I think if Trump were to permit him to take permit? a Permit? Did you use the word permit? Uh, I did, yes. That's an interesting word. But go ahead. Let me, let me um, Tala, uh, pick up from there. What would Dr. Carson get out of this? Is it, would it be the right move for him? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I think ultimately that choice is between Dr. Carson, you know, his God. And by the way, Dr. Carson has been a stalwart conservative on many important things. I think it's notable that the Southern Poverty Law Center listed him as an extremist. Uh, you know, this was, Tyler, this was Tyler, years Tyler, ago. Tyler, 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 but, Tyler, Tyler, yeah. Tyler, we get all that. I'm just asking a simple question. What does Dr. Carson get out of becoming Trump's running mate? That's the question, simple. Well, if he becomes vice president of the United States, that's quite a lot. Uh, it's, you know, this is a decision that Dr. Carson has to make, as I said. And I think, you know, politically, there are. It seems as though you and Victoria are both are struggling decision, to answer but, that question, and I can understand why. So let me ask you, let me, let me give you something that I, you probably can't answer. What in the world is Gavin Newsom and DeSantis getting out of a, a debate? Why? What are we missing here? The, I, I think this debate is really interesting because we're seeing liberal and conservative policies really being debated on a stage for the first time in a long time. Uh, most outlets will only have conservative or, or liberal. Here you actually have a, a Democratic governor who has been you know, consistently attacking Ron DeSantis as the almost the standard bearer. He's acting as though Ron DeSantis is the standard bearer for conservative policies in the United States as the governor of Florida. So you have these two states, you know, opposites, opposite coasts of the country, opposite worldviews uh, going head to head. I think it's it's really interesting there. It it has interesting political questions about it. Like is is uh, Gavin Newsom considering entering the Democratic field? at this extremely late hour in the 2024 cycle? I think the the technical answer is no, but he's been making all of these moves that suggest he might be. And, you know, it's, I find it most interesting that he decided to debate DeSantis while DeSantis is a presidential candidate. That draws more attention to DeSantis in a primary field where a lot of attention has well, been well, focused Well, Victoria, on Victoria, is this president. a Hail Mary for DeSantis? You know, it might be. As we talked about earlier with former Ambassador Haley, she is gaining quickly in the polls, and the voters that she is picking up, to me, seem to be DeSantis supporters uh, because his favorability has been dropping. So, you know, he hasn't performed very well in debates against the Republican primary field. So this might be, as you mentioned, a kind of Hail Mary because if we're looking at 
going past the Republican primary, we are going to actually see these issues debated at a na on a national level. You know, in the 2020 cycle, obviously that was during the COVID pandemic. Biden campaigned from his basement as Republican operatives and, you know, the Trump campaign hit him on time after time after time. So the two of them really didn't actually have a chance to face off like we would see in a typical campaign season. So. You know, Tyler's absolutely right that we don't really get to see these ideas being debated day in and day out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.